Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, man, do I have some tremendous news for you. Our partners at Bet Online. it remains the number one source for all of your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Hey, with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. All you have to do is head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. To get those rewards, bet online where the game starts. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Welch & Company Jewelers, Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State, and our awesome friends over at Rosie's Corner. You know the deal, folks. If you're in and around Central New York, Route 11 in Brewerton, in front of the Brewerton Bridge, they have a spectacular lineup of pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. And the comfort food is terrific as well. Meatloaf Monday, Turkey Slop Tuesday, Chicken and Biscuit Wednesday, Thursday and Friday Mac and Cheese, and your Fish Friday every single week as well with the mac and cheese coleslaw and french fry options. Rosie's Corner, get over there and grab a gift card for any occasion as well. Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to friends of the program, uh, the Swan and Whitaker families, and of course the Alonzo family, Daryl Abert, Bob Lindsley, and our terrific friends, the Bowers & Company CPAs group. Uh, really love those guys and uh, Mike and Carl and his team, so appreciate their support uh, as an associate sponsor as well. Let's get into a couple things. This is going to be an all NFL podcast. I'm going to recap for eh, maybe eight, 10 minutes. I'm going to recap the super wild card weekend in the NFL. Uh, and then you're going to hear a great, great crossover episode with Joe Biscali of the Buffalo Bills insider and beat reporter for the athletic. I had him on my uh, pandemonium podcast and the built in Buffalo podcast network. You'll hear that interview. We break down um, you know, Bengals playoff week. We recap the Dolphins game. Uh, we get into Ken Dorsey's struggles, Josh Allen's struggles, etc. cetera. Uh, it's just a really, really great conversation. And I don't think anybody covers the Bills better than Joe Biscalia. So first things first, let's hit the recap uh, as we always do here on the show. Wild card weekend, it just seemed to me that it was a little too much physicality and speed. 49ers destroy the Seahawks 41 to 23. And let me Make this very clear. I don't think that the 49ers and Bills should have even been playing, obviously. I mean, they added another playoff team. It's ridiculous. It's a two seed. You win 13 games and you still have to play in the wild card weekend. It's absolute BS, in my opinion. But it's hard to slow down San Fran right now, man. I mean, Brock Purdy is slinging it all over the place. Yes, does he have a supporting cast? It's great, of course. But holy cow, the speed and the skill on offense, the speed and the skill and the tenacity on defense. This is the most complete team in the NFL. This is the best team in the NFL for my money right now. Debo Samuel is back, and when it's big game time, it's big game Debo. I mean, he was absolutely, he was unstoppable. You just cannot stop this dude. Six catches for 133 yards and a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries for 119 yards on the ground. 332 yards through the air, 18 of 30, and three touchdowns for the 49ers quarterback in terms of Brock Purdy. Look, 
they they just complement everything well, right? Purdy throwing it, you go off the play action. You can run the football. You can do uh, designs and screens and fakes and 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 all these different things. I, I just this team is really really rolling right now, and uh, just so much speed, so much physicality, so much defensive intimidation from Fred Warner to Dre Greenlaw to Bosa to everybody in between. The 49ers roll the Seahawks, and let's be honest, Seahawks were a nice story. Geno Smith was a nice story, but they're limited, and the 49ers pounced. Jaguars pouncing on the Chargers after being down <laughs> 27 to nothing. Are you kidding me in this football game? The Jaguars roar back, and Trevor Lawrence, who was absolutely positively horrific for the better part of this game into 27 to nothing, was spectacular from there on out. Four TDs and four interceptions in this game. You don't see those lines often, but boy, if there was one team, I have to say, sorry, Charger fans, if there was one team in the NFL playoffs going in uh, that I would bet money on that would blow a lead, you know, choke in the worst way, whatever the case may be, it would have been between the Chargers and the Vikings. And the Chargers achieved that goal, 27 to nothing lead with 425 left in the second quarter. And then, you know, kind of an excuse me touchdown drive for the Jags, 27-7. But you thought to yourself, yeah, that, that's nice. That's not going to go anywhere. Well, then they come out in the third quarter. They score. And Chargers get a field goal, 30-14. Then the Jags score again. And then the fourth quarter, nine plays, 70 yards. Ten plays, 61 yards. A combined six-plus minutes. It was quick. It was efficient. It was a comeback trail. And the Jaguars get it done. Man, with that field goal, 31-30. Uh, from Riley Patterson, and they come back, and the Chargers, they've already been cleaning house uh, on on parts of the staff, and, you know, we'll see what happens from here on out, but I think that Brandon Staley should, you know, be fired as well. Uh, the guy's a total joke. He cost him a playoff spot last year. Uh, if you blow a 27 to nothing lead, that to me is so much about coaching. Um, you know, where's the motivation? Where was the talk at halftime? What What is going on? How do you make this many mistakes? Uh, and, and you can't screw around much longer, man. You got Justin Herbert, dudes, okay? You got to figure out a way, man. They were not able to run the football. I thought that hurt him quite a bit. Uh, but I do give the Jags credit. When the Chargers opened up the 27-0 lead, the, Jar the Jaguars did not allow Keenan Allen and, and others to really get a ton of space. I mean, they really clamped on it, and they were able to get the ball back to the offense over and over and over and over again. And I thought that was a huge key to the game, you know, for Jacksonville. So, um you know, kudos to the Jags for coming back. I got nothing on the Chargers right now. They got to fire Brandon Staley, give a blank check to Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton, uh, build around Justin Herbert. They got to they gotta right the ship here, but it starts with the head coach because they have a lot of talent on that roster, man. You, not many people have, you know, uh, two bona fide wide receivers when healthy in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, a, a prodigy stud young gun quarterback in Herbert. Austin Eckler running the football. And franchise defensive players like Derwin James Jr. And, of course, uh, you know, Joey Bosa. So this Charger team is a joke because they're head coach. They need to get rid of him. And um, maybe then you'll feel better, Charger fans, about your future. But holy cow, that was absolutely brutal. All right, elsewhere, Giants beat the Vikings 31-24. to Saquon Barkley, really good game. Brian Dable unleashed, Saqu uh, unleashed uh, Daniel Jones. And the defense did, did, did their thing, um, you know, when they had to. Uh, Kurt Cousins didn't throw it, you know, past the line uh, to end the game. Uh, a lot of just really little things in this game that allowed the Giants to get it done. But they've been doing this all year, right? They've been doing the little things all year long. 
to win football games and, and, you know, keep it close. And then in the fourth quarter, we're going to win. We're going to beat you. We're going to make more plays. We're going to, you know, keep it simple, not make mistakes, you know, and uh, I thought, you know, look, Kirk Cousins was 31 to 39. Those numbers are nice. Two touchdowns, 112.9 rating, 85.2 QBR. But at the end of the game, you know, when you need repetitive, unbelievable plays, he'll give you one or two. He's not going to give you eight or nine. He's just not. Daniel Jones, wow. 24-35 for 301 on, uh, you know, through the air and two touchdowns. Had 17 carries and 78 yards on the ground. Um, you know, and Barkley was able to get out in space, had a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins continues to impress a former Buffalo Bill going to a system that really is, 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 is right for him. Um, and now the Giants move on and the Giants are becoming, I guess, kind of a darling around NFL circles, man. Everywhere I go, people want to kind of root for this team. They like the upstart nature. They like Daniel Jones defying the odds. They like Brian Dable's uh, tenacity and leadership and culture change. Giants are a cool story right now, man. They really are. And the Vikings continue to just, you know, stumble over themselves. That's all there is to it. Bengals beat the Ravens 24-17. Boy, the Ravens, they were going to take the ball in, weren't they? And then Huntley goes up. He, he's maybe a foot or two away from crossing the plane. Ball bounces out. <laughs> he gets, gets into the, the, the hands of uh, Hubbard, and he goes 98 yards. Game over. I mean, what a horrible way to lose for the Baltimore Ravens. And frankly, the Bengals just didn't look that good against an inferior opponent. And neither did the Buffalo Bills, who won 34-31 over Miami. The Bengals and Bills will play in Orchard Park this Sunday. And you know what? The Bills, for some reason, on the national level, they're the only team that isn't allowed to win ugly and isn't allowed to win close for some reason, right? I mean, it just seems like that's the way of the uh, the world uh, in the NFL. But, you know, the Bengals, they got to clean up a bunch of stuff. The Bills need to clean up, clean up a bunch of stuff. I think that would that's what maybe this week comes down to. What team is able to clean up the most and limit mistakes because the Bengals they fumbled you know they fumbled the ball multiple times Josh Allen had three fumbles Josh Allen lost one of those fumbles and it was a return for a score Josh Allen threw two picks the Bills offensive line was horrendous they give up seven sacks in this game uh that's why I kind of lumped in these games together because the Bills and Bengals both are on correction week here, right? They've got to figure out a way to clean up some things. The Bills have got to be able to run the ball a little bit more. Um, Ken Dorsey has got to find a way offensively that when you, you know, go up 17 to nothing and the Dolphins are blitzing the hell out of you and you're terrorizing the Dolphins and then they stop blitzing, play cover zero, they start taking away Stephon Diggs. You got to figure out other ways, man. You can't just bomb the ball down the field and abandon the run game. I mean, you've got to get creative. You got to do more rollouts. You got to do more dump off screens. You got to use your slot guys. You got to do more. Uh, get Gabe Davis in a different pattern. I, I don't care what it takes. They got to do something uh, with that offense uh, in terms of adjustments when the defense seems to move a chess piece and really rattle Josh Allen and company. Uh, but the Bills, you know what? Matt Milano, Taron Johnson, Tremaine Edmonds, they were all amazing. A Boogie Basham, Dean Marlowe. At Oliver, a lot of ball hawking, Jordan Poyer. Uh, Kyrie Elam had the big play of the game. I mean, the Bills are down 24-20. Uh, they've got the Dolphins pinned. And, of course, you're just waiting for Skylar Thompson to make a mistake. He made multiple ones in this game. Throws the pick left side. Elam makes a crazy good read on it. Turns at the right second. Picks the ball off. Bills take it down. Score, and then they hang on later, 34-31. to But this is clean-up week for the Bills. It's clean-up week for the Cincinnati Bengals. Because you can... Look, you can be up 17 to nothing if you're Buffalo. You squander the lead. 
but you're still home and you have Josh Allen for his you know many struggles as he's had. He's still Josh Allen. He still made some crazy, great, unbelievable throws. Uh, he had you know over 370 uh, total yards of offense. Uh, you know, he accounted for three touchdowns. I mean, he's still really, really great. When he needs to be great, he really is. But unfortunately for the Bills and other teams down the line, a lot of times it's one play. And if you screw up one play, you can lose. And so you can't be trying to sumo wrestle with a defensive lineman in terms of wrestling the ball away. Before that even happens, you have to either throw the ball away or just tuck it and go down. Allen had a couple of players, uh, you know, open right off the, the get-go. If you watch that play, could have dumped it right off to Singletary, and I forget the other, maybe Knox was the one who was open as well. But uh, plenty to fix for the Bills. You can get away with it when you're playing an inferior opponent. They they allowed the Dolphins to come back in. They, 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 they allowed them to take the lead. But then the Bills made their plays. They had a couple of huge drives, huge drives, once they got down, you know, 24-20, the first of which was on a short field. But there's mistakes all over the place, man. McDermott's calling timeouts in the wrong spots. Allen's screwing up left and right. The offensive line is Swiss cheese. Uh, Tyler Bass kicks the damn ball out of bounds, gives the Dolphins the ball at the 40. I mean, there were just there, there were too many mistakes in this game for the Bills. But again, they got away with it because they played the Miami Dolphins with a third-string quarterback. Um, this game also, though, could be chalked up to one very simple thing. It's the third time these two teams are meeting, and they're divisional rivals. So... Win and move on? Can we can we allow that? Yeah. They're going to be playing the Bengals, and that game is going to be wild in Buffalo. There's no doubt about that. Finally, the Cowboys pound the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I don't even I don't even have words here with Tampa. I mean, Tom Brady looked so bad. He looked so old. Had to throw it 66 times to get 351 yards and two touchdowns. Had one interception in this game. The Buccaneers, again, could not run the ball. White was awful. Fournette was awful. The line was terrible. It's a collection of Band-Aids offensive line-wise anyway. And, um, you know, I thought that it was really important for Dallas. If they were going to win this game, I thought they needed to do two things. One, you know, get out in front early, get a sizable lead, which they did 24 to nothing in the second quarter, um, and then you know, force Tampa Bay to try to stretch the field and come back. And, and they can't stretch the field because it's if if Brady doesn't hit Mike Evans for a 12-yard pass and then Evans runs it 40, they can't stretch the field. They can't do anything unless it's Brady versus uh, Brady to Evans. They just can't. And uh, the Buccaneers, man, they are they, they got a lot of work to do in the offseason. They got to figure out Brady. Uh, Brady's got to figure out himself. They got to fix the offensive line. Uh, the defense could use now a couple of, you know, patchwork items there, a couple of patchwork players because they're now all of a sudden being carved apart. And Dallas played a swift, great offensive game. I mean, this was an awesome, awesome game if you're the Dallas Cowboys. If I'm a Cowboy fan, I'm thrilled, because I thought this was a toss-up game going in. They went into Tampa Bay and left no doubt. They left no doubt. And all of the big players, listen, the playoffs, it's about little things, special teams, right? Red zone defense, red zone offense, third down offense, third down defense, turnovers, coaching, game management. It's about all that. I get it. But you know what else is huge in the NFL playoffs? Your superstars being better than the other team's superstars. And while Tampa Bay doesn't have the amount of superstars that Dallas has, they have a few, but Dallas's superstars were, were great. That's all there is to it. Dak was efficient. Four touchdowns through the air, 305 yards, 25 of 33. You know, he was checking down everybody. You know, um, C.D. Lamb was great. Pollard was great. Um, you know, they had 
their defensive players came to play. Micah Parsons had a sack. Micah Parsons had three tackles total, and, and, and all of them were solo, right? Leighton Vanderush was outstanding. All over the football. Everywhere. Coverage, run game, blitzing, everywhere. Long offseason ahead for Tampa, and Dallas plays San Francisco in a game that I cannot wait for as we throw back to the 90s, 80s, and 90s with those classic matchups. Absolutely, positively unbelievable matchup between the 49ers and the Cowboys. Cannot wait for that game. You know, folks, here on the ML Sports Platter, we pride ourselves on being, you know, open to talking about just about everything in in the sports world, right? There's off-seasons for your favorite leagues and teams, but really there's no downtime. And we have free agent signings, coaching changes, draft picks, and more it means that there's always some stories to tell, right? And I learned so much about sports reporting and storytelling during my time at St. Bonaventure University, including how to find the most interesting stories. And SBU has that long-standing reputation for training future journalists, just to name a few, Woj, Donna DeTota, myself, and Mike Baccaro. This entirely online degree option builds podcasting, interviewing, and research skills needed in a changing media landscape as students learn how to follow high professional standards as they tell nuanced stories about the sports we love. You don't need to have any writing or broadcasting experience to start this program, just a passion for the profession. SBU doesn't require an application fee or GRE or GMAT scores. It makes it easy to apply. Students can complete this program in less than two years. That's a fact while learning important lessons in sports journalism from experienced faculty and accomplished alums. Contact an enrollment advisor today at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com to learn more about St. Bonaventure's sports journalism program. That's sbujournalism.com. Coming up next, my conversation with Joe Biscaglia, the terrific Buffalo Bills insider and beat man for the athletic. We get into Bengals playoff week. We recap the Dolphins game. We talk Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen, and everything in between. How confident is Joe about the Bills going into this playoff matchup with Cincy? That is next. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Matthew, what's going on? Mike Lindsley here with you, host of the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Really appreciate everybody being along for the ride. We're going to recap the Bills Miami game, look ahead to the Bengals playoff game this week. We go from Super Wild Card weekend to divisional playoff round. The Bills are back in it. Uh, it's a great time to be a Bills fan. I know that things got a little dicey against Miami, but the reality is the Buffalo Bills are in the mix right now to win a championship. And I tell you what, if you're a fan, that's all you ask for, right? And, um, you know, look, I, I think last year's team was better than this year's team, but they might they might go farther by winning different ways, right? I mean, it's just that sports, things line up that way. Uh, so we'll get into all that. I'm going to bring in here in a minute uh, Joe Biscalia from The Athletic, the outstanding Buffalo Bills insider and reporter. Um, just does such an amazing job uh, with everything, you know, the All-22 and his recaps and breaking the game down and um, 
he's just one of the best in the business. I've respected Joe for a long time. Got to catch up with him, actually, in Buffalo, uh, Monday Night Football against Tennessee, which feels like 100 years ago. But we'll bring Joe in. Uh, but a quick mention here, make sure you go follow, subscribe, download, rate, review, everything. All the podcasts on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network, Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it. And, of course, visit us at uh, builtinbuffalonews.com. That's builtinbuffalonews.com. Subscribe to the YouTube. Get after it on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. On Twitter, at builtinbuffalo underscore. So appreciate the following. Appreciate the support. And uh, we'll keep delivering seven days a week for you, covering our beloved Buffalo Bills. But, hey, without further ado, let's bring him in. Joe Biscali, a Buffalo Bills beat man and insider for The Athletic. Joe, how are you, buddy? I've been great, Mike. Thanks so much for having me again. Well, I love having you. You do an amazing job. And I'm going to start right here with this simple question. Are we supposed to feel better about the Bills because they survived and advanced, or do we feel really bad because they got exposed against Miami and they're going up against a better team in Cincinnati? I know they're going to miss probably three linemen here, but where do, should we feel better or worse after that win over Miami? You know, that's probably the uh, the thing I've been thinking most about since that game because you know it, it's just it was just kind of a a weird sort of uh, outcome because the Bills dominated in so many different areas, but in terms of turnovers and giving the Dolphins the uh, our shortened field for basically all of their offensive scoring drives. You know, that's what kind of led it to be as close as it was. And then I think back to, like, uh, all these other teams uh, that are legit Super Bowl contenders that have struggled over the past several weeks, over the last month of the season. I think back to the Chiefs almost losing to the Texans uh, not that long ago. Um, So I think you can kind of look at it in terms of that from if you're an optimist. I mean, that, that's where it kind of comes down to it. it. It really depends on how you feel about life. If you're an optimist, then you could say, okay, the Bills survived. They got through it. Um, they, they got the wake-up call that they needed uh, without having to get bounced out from the playoffs. And now they'll, they'll use it as a chance to really hone in, get a little bit sharper, do a lot of self-reflection, and, and be a lot sharper once the uh, the competition gets a bit better this coming weekend against the Bengals. But if you're the pessimist, you could say, okay, that's the sign of things to come. You know, they got exposed. The Dolphins took out Stefan Diggs in the second half. Um, Ken Dorsey didn't really have a good second half in sequencing. Josh Allen, you know, struggled with turnovers yet again. So you could really convince yourself one way or the other. I'd probably veer towards this just being a bit of a one-off. I still think the Bills are a legit Super Bowl championship contender this season and uh they they got away with one there but that's that's a, a game that good teams find a way at, in down the stretch of the season because playoffs are a different animal especially e- even though the dolphins were had a patchwork offensive line even though they had skylar thompson back there the bills defense dominated and put themselves in a position to win that game and they found a way to to get a victory so i i probably think that that they'll be fine, um, and I think that they're going to put that Dolphins game behind them and not let it linger. So it's interesting because, you know, w- with, with the Bills getting away with one to a degree and all that, and you look ahead and, and you got to win in, in the playoffs close, you got to win ugly, kind of that way down the stretch in the regular season we know as the weather turns colder, blah, blah, blah. But you're in it every day. You're inside the walls every day. You're covering this team every breathing second of every single day from, you know, point A to point B. Uh, and so my question is, 
does it feel like to you, because it certainly does for me, from the national perspective, podcasters, NBC, whatever the case may be, uh, uh, ESPN analysts, whoever else, Joe, that the Bills are like the only team in the NFL that aren't allowed to win close. You know, it's like, well, the Bills have won ugly. They've done this, they've done that. You know, forgetting that they've fought, what, 30 things of adversity this year. But it feels like they're the only team that's not allowed to win close when you look at what the Bengals did. And Houston, uh, uh, Casey went to OT to beat Houston a few weeks back, right? Do you feel that way, that they're the only team that's not allowed to win close? Well, I don't know if if it's that. Um, I think this might just be the byproduct of however long, maybe even a year or eight months worth of being under the microscope as the Super Bowl favorite. And that's kind of what comes along with it. If they have, or they had entering the season, the best roster in football. And I don't think there's, there's many people that can debate that the Eagles certainly pumped up uh, as, as the season went along and then the Bills suffered a couple of key injuries with Micah Hyde and, and Von Miller, yeah. and that kind of knocked them off their perch there. But the Chiefs didn't enter the season with crazy expectations because they traded away Tyreek Hill. The Bengals didn't enter the season with crazy expectations because people were still kind of wondering if their playoff run last year was a fluke. You know, uh, fast forward, it wasn't. They are a legit Super Bowl contender again this year. But I think that is kind of bleeding into maybe the overall talking points around the bills right now what i can tell you from from what they are they have been very good uh in game results in compartmentalizing uh what happens the week before and not letting it linger that's been kind of a staple throughout the sean mcdermott era it it you know early on with with him in like 2017 2018 maybe even 2019 there was there was kind of a uh, a rolling stone uh, gathering moss or a snowball down a hill, you know, getting getting bigger and bigger. But that has seemed to go away over the last couple of th- three years, I'll say, where they are starting to realize that, you know, it's it's not conducive to let any sort of result, whether it's a huge victory, blowout victory, a huge win over a big opponent like the Chiefs, a huge win over a big opponent like the Rams in, in the opening week of the season. They're they've been really good about not letting it affect them. So um so yeah, I think I think there is a there is a little bit to that, but I think it's it's it kind of comes with the deal, right? I mean that's they are one of the legit Super Bowl contenders this year. I just checked the odds. I think they have the the second best odds to win the Super Bowl still, even though they only barely beat Miami. And I think uh, I think once people see uh, their performance against the Bengals uh, this coming week, I think people will start to realize, okay, maybe it was just kind of a one-week thing against the Dolphins. Joe Biscali, our guest, a couple more for him from The Athletic, covering the Buffalo Bills uh, as a beat reporter and insider, and of course, at Joe Biscali on Twitter. And make sure you download and subscribe to the must-listen podcast called The Buffalo Beat. Joe does an amazing job on that as well. Ken Dorsey, you brought him up. I, I just, I know the Dolphins, you know, they, they blitzed a ton in the beginning, then they pull back, right? They run that cover zero deal. They take digs out of it and all that. But yet Dorsey seems like when the defense adjusts to him, he can't adjust back. I know it's only year one. I know, you know, it's like, oh, well, he's not Brian Dable, all this stuff. But, but why can't he at this point uh, adjust better? Why can't he call better plays than, oh, let's just throw it 30 yards down the field and abandon the ground game at the same time. 
why why is Dorsey struggling so bad to adjust back? Yeah, it was a tough day for Dorsey, and you know I I've been critical of him throughout the year, not not in like the way that oh they need to move on by the end of the year, but just that they need a bit more, and and you know the sequencing I think was was some of the biggest issues against the Dolphins, but I will say that. He uh, had a, a tough task ahead of him in the second half, and I'm not making excuses for him, but the Dolphins have a really good front seven, very good run defense, and so they they were likely to not allow the Bills to be that multifaceted offense that they wanted to be. But once the Dolphins pivoted from their heavy blitz scheme early on, the high-risk, high-reward, once they were, weren't getting rewarded, and, and the Bills were killing their blitz because they were expecting it and, and game planning for it, then Dorsey didn't really uh, adjust. And I don't know if it's it's also fair to completely put it on the, the doorstep of Dorsey because I think Josh Allen deserves a little bit of the blame here too for how things kind of unfolded down the stretch. I mean, Allen just put together some dynamite throws throughout the game. But, it, you know, the choices to go deep down the field twice in a row. That's that's not only a Dorsey call, but that's also a Josh Allen call. So those two guys are going to have a big week of self-reflection trying to figure out, okay, why why did they take away digs? What can we do once, once a, a team pivots to this sort of defensive strategy? And the fact that they saw it first week in the playoffs would be a good thing that, the, that they can now dice it up, figure out what works, what won't, and and go from there but they do need Dorsey to get better but to your broader question I think with the fact that that he's following up Brian Dable it certainly hurts him in terms of perception I mean Dable has failed in the NFL three different times before he came to Buffalo I mean he he got fired I mean he was demoted everything like that he's he's been humbled multiple times he's had to learn again and again and again what works what doesn't and finally, you know, getting to a team with talent and having all of that bank of knowledge, he was able to become one of the most dynamic play callers in the NFL. And we've seen we've seen how he's elevating the Giants. Dorsey, the time on task just isn't there yet. I mean, he hasn't failed to a huge degree just yet. So we'll uh, we'll see how he how he reacts to what happened in the second half against the Dolphins. But um, you know, you would like to see a little bit more variance in in their sequencing and and you know trying to catch a team off guard rather than just you know responding to the moment. Tremaine Edmonds, they got they got to figure out a way to get this guy back, right? Yeah, they do. I, I think they do. I, you know, I I look at it as a as a two pronged discussion because you you think about okay, well, can they make the cap work? They probably can. Uh, it you know they they want to fit both him and Ed Oliver under, I would assume, because Oliver has been awesome over the last mm-hmm. two months of the season, and he'll be eligible for an extension as soon as the offseason comes around. Um, so I think that will be a priority for them. But they do have a lot of their their cap dealings coming due in the 2023 season. So they'll, they'll just have to be a little bit creative. I do think they, they can find a way to make it work. But Tremaine Edmonds is the big reason why you don't re-sign Jordan Poyer early on in the season because you're, you would take away so many funds toward the 2023 season. And then, you know, he's, he's 33 and, and he's, or he's going to be 33 next year. And he's suffered four different injuries since the start of training camp. So Edmonds to me is the one that you want to have. I mean, he's only going to be entering age 25 or 26 season next year, but you have a good five to seven years left of his prime 
he's so important to that defense, everything that he does. So that is a big piece of it. And I do think that it also matters that the guy that they drafted in the third round this past year, Terrell Bernard, mm. has been buried on the depth chart. You know, I I thought that if if Jordan Phillips would have been able to play, I really believe that Terrell Bernard would have been inactive in that game for them to get another defensive lineman in, in, in the mix there. Just because he's now fifth on the depth chart, he's behind both A.J. Klein and Tyrell Dodson. You know, special teams, he's not like this humongous asset that they have to dress on game days no matter what. And to me, not seeing that sort of progression and not even being in the mix to replace one of Edmonds or Milano should anything happen to them with an injury, I think that's 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 a, as big a reason as any for them to look to Tremaine Edmonds and go, all right, we can't afford to lose this guy. Yeah, no doubt. Final thing I wanted to hit you on in the last minute or so I have left. You know, Josh Allen, yes, he deserves a, a bunch of blame. He's, he's making some turnovers. I did not have an issue as much with the interceptions. Uh, you know, he threw one down. It looked like maybe Brown, you know, ran the wrong route. The ball to Beasley, it just kind of hit him in the hands. The defender made a play. I, Whatever. Things happen. The fumble really bothered me. Really bothered mm-hmm. me. Because that is, dude, what are you doing taking on a behemoth and trying to out, you know, out wrestle the dude. Grab the ball, go down with possession. That is Joe. That play to me was was so bad. And that is a play in the playoffs. Look, a lot of these games come down to one play. That's the kind of game, uh, the p- kind of play that Allen can cost his team with. You know? Yeah, yeah, I hear where you're coming from. And that wasn't the only play where he was a little loosey goosey with the football sure. uh, yep. out, out in one arm, one hand. There was a few times where it's like, whoa, what are you doing there, dude? Um, but I think that everything that I know about Josh Allen is he's going to see all of those plays that, that you talked about just there and that the other plays that weren't resulting in turnovers. And he's going to put that in his bank for this week. And he's, he's really good at making quick changes from, from one week to the next, especially when it's him screwing up. So I would be uh, pretty surprised to see him just holding the ball out and as he's uh, going into contact this week, I think he's going to be a lot more cognizant of that. I think the Bengals are definitely going to see it on film and not target tackling him, but target the football that that's uh, out off his body. If, if he does give them that opportunity and that could be a potentially game changing play. We, we just saw last week, last weekend where the Bengals um, <laughs> were on the verge of going down against the Ravens and some an interesting decision by Tyler Huntley to try and advance the ball when he was still a good yard shy from the goal line. Uh, they they took advantage of that moment, and so they know the Bills know that they're the Bengals are going to be game to try and force turnovers. They know it's going to be a tight game, and that could be all the difference. So so yeah, I, I would I would be surprised to see if if Josh Allen. Uh, operates the same way with with keeping the ball off his body a lot actually joe you know what 20 seconds give, give me <laughs> give, give give me are they going to win this game against cincinnati give me your quick uh, quick feeling yeah i i i think well i i definitely need to go and watch the ravens film before i really <laughs> hone in on a prediction sure, but sure. um i do think that this i felt better about uh the Bengals winning the last time they played than uh, than I do this time around. So okay. maybe, maybe I'll go with that. Uh, I just think that the Bengals back then, they were on an absolute heater and they, mm. uh, they were, teams were struggling to figure out ways to defend them. But I think, 
in these last few games, uh, you can start to see ways that teams have been trying to approach them defensively. And not to mention that the Bengals, and I know you alluded to it, they might be down three of their starting offensive linemen. They will definitely be without L. Collins at right tackle. Uh, Alex Kappa, their right guard, is week to week. Their left tackle, Jonah Williams, is week to week. We don't know whether or not they're going to practice. Jonah Williams suffered a similar injury earlier in the season and wound up playing the next week. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. But if they are without even one of those guys, that puts the Bills at an advantage because not only are they going to have a backup at right tackle and a backup at another position, but the Bengals' left guard, Cordell Volson, uh, is not a good pass protector whatsoever. So that would be a legitimate advantage for the Bills up front, and I think that would be uh, that would definitely play into how the the Bills call the game defensively. Go get your subscription to the Athletic Buffalo Bills beat reporter and insider Joe Biscali does an amazing job covering the team at Joe Biscali on Twitter. Uh, go follow him and of course download the Buffalo Beat podcast. Uh, as well, where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. Joe, I've said it a million times. I text you all all the time about this, man. You do such an amazing job. Love your work. Thank you for a few here, and uh, enjoy the game this weekend. Have fun, all right? Appreciate you, Mike, for for all your kind words and your kindness. And, and yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it, everybody. All right, a couple quick minutes on the the Dolphins game, and then I'm going to preview you know Cincinnati this week. I mean, number one, I think if you had to go good, bad, and ugly, I think good, you won. <laughs> you know, period, end of discussion. You won the football game. Number two, when the Bills needed those drives, when they needed the plays, when they needed to make a defensive stand, when they needed to get Skylar Thompson out of sorts, they did it. They did the necessary things in a playoff game to win the football game. Um, you know, the good also was, despite Josh Allen's two picks and the horrendous fumble and all the rest, Josh Allen, when he had to deliver, still made some absolutely absurd throws and plays in this game. I mean, you think about the... Uh, wonderful pass to start it right to Dawson Knox. You think about the Cole Beasley throw. It was just it was right there and early. The Gabe Davis uh, throw, you know, throw to Gabe Davis in the end zone. Uh, he made a bunch of great throws to Diggs throughout the game until Miami took him out. So there was still a lot of great Allen in that. Uh, the bad, well, they let Miami hang around, right? Unforced errors, terrible penalties, terrible game management. Uh, Sean McDermott, uh, good grief! I mean he. I mean, has he learned from 13 seconds? I mean, you'd wonder here uh, with, with the timing of, of, of timeouts. And uh, I just, the, the game management is just, it, it's unbelievable how when the calendar turns to the playoffs that this guy is just not what he is in the regular season. And he has got to fix those things. I mean, they're, they're, it's big boy time. <laughs> it's big pants time. It's, it's putting your, you know, taking the diapers off, you know, let, let's get you going, you know, let's get you potty training and, and get you going to, to go potty on your own now here, okay? That's what this is. Um, it's big boy pant time, right? It's it's take the uh, take the training wheels off and, and, and let's pedal away. So um, this team, this team uh, got away with one. This team, it was funny because against Miami, when they were up 17 to nothing, I started to turn and go, well, maybe you were wrong in your prediction here, Mike. Maybe it will be a blowout. I, and then Miami, field goal, field goal, field goal. Then they tie it, two-point conversion, the, the pass to Gusecki. And I thought the Bills at the end of the first half, getting a field goal was actually really huge just from a, a mental standpoint. And they go into the third quarter, then Miami takes the lead, you know, with that fumble return. And you're going, wow, the air is officially out of the balloon. But then ping, ping, the Bills took control in the third quarter. Cole Beasley on that great, um, you know, I, I'll tell you what, Kyrie Elam made the play of the game. 
The Bills are down 24 to 20, and they needed a spark. They needed a pick. They needed a turnover. They needed something to get the offense going on a short field, which the Dolphins pretty much did all the time. I mean, you think about the Tyler Bass kick out of bounds, give it to him at the 40. Uh, Miami, you know, most of their drives, scoring drives, were like 45 to 50 yard line. I mean, you know, whether it was their territory or the Bills. I mean, they, they, they had short fields really the entire game after they were down 17 to nothing. Um, so the Bills capitalize on that. Kyrie Elam, that's a play he does not make 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 weeks ago, preseason, whatever. He does not make that play. He read the play beautifully, turned around beautifully, grabbed the ball, caught the ball. Uh, just an unbelievable play. It really was. And now I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's got to be the CB2 opposite Trey White here moving forward. That gives the Bills an opportunity to get a short field. They take advantage, 33 yards on five plays with 211 uh, off the clock. Beasley, the recipient from Josh. And then Gabe Davis with a 23-yard pass from Josh Allen when the Bills defense started to really get after it and and get the ball back to the offense. Five plays, 68 yards over 207. Miami scores. 34-31, Bills um, you know, lead it, and that was eventually the final, and the Bills were able to close things out. Um, you know, Devin Singletary with just a, a great third and long run, just his legs this time of year, his strength and conditioning that he's done the last couple of years, it's really paying off when you get to the month of January. And as long as he hangs down to the football, Devin Singletary is a guy I think you can rely on to get some yards uh, at the end of games to really uh, put the defense uh, down on the ground. So uh, the Bills... <laughs> They, they got away with it. Um, you know, again, Josh Allen, you had elite Josh Allen. You had uh, you, you, you had, you had uh, error-prone Josh Allen. Um, still made the big plays when he needed them. Um, the ground game for the Bills was average. Uh, Davis and Diggs getting in the act was great. I'd love to be able to see Ken Dorsey, you know, adjust to defenses better when they just simply go, oh, well, we're just going to take Stephon Diggs away. We're going to, like, limit the blitz. Can't you adjust as an OC in the NFL? I know it's its first year, but can't you do more than what we've seen, right? And a lot of that has to do with, okay, Josh, here's what they're doing. They're trying to take digs out. Davis, we can't find him as much as we used to. We're going to run some of these plays and, 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 and slot plays. And you know what? Why not roll Allen out? I think Allen in the Dable offense, one of the things I really liked watching from Josh is when, when the offense was humming, and I know McKenzie was a big part of it with the jet sweeps, but Josh Allen, there was a lot of those delay fake handoffs, and then he'd roll really far away in the opposite direction, whether he was going left or right. And then he would be able to just sit there and survey the field. And you saw panic from the linebackers, panic from the secondary. What is this dude going to do? What is this unicorn at 6'4", 5", and 240, 50 pounds going to do? Is he going to run and jump over me? Is he going to run through me? Is he going to throw it 40 yards down the field? Is he going to dump it off to a running back who we lost track of? And then he's going to go for 20, 30 yards. To me, the rollout plays have got to come back a little bit for this Bills offense so that Josh has more time and it makes him not make as many mistakes. I just think that that's a big thing. Defensively, come on, man. Matt Milano, ridiculous. Taron Johnson, awesome. Tremaine Edmonds, incredible. I mean, those guys were absolutely sensational. The Bills had four sacks in this game and the Bills had two interceptions. And even though Skylar Thompson in the beginning of the game didn't lose the game. I didn't think he played that bad. He had some drops. Hill, Waddle, they dropped balls as well. The reality is Skylar Thompson is limited, and the Bills shut down the running game. The defense adjusted, and if you said to yourself, seven catches for 69 yards for Tyreek Hill, you're going to win that one big time. Big time, big time, big time. And 
You know what? One of the big plays was that screen there to Ahmed. Uh, he was in motion. Boogie Basham was shifting around the, the, the front of the defensive line. He pointed to him, and Edmonds went up and just rocked his world, and it was an incomplete play. That was one of the bigger plays in the game. No play was bigger than Kyrie Elam's, in my opinion. I mean, that completely jolted the Bills and got them going in the right direction. Um, you know, but we're seeing, you know, and Joe Biscaglia brought up an unbelievable point. You know, we're seeing why Jordan Poyer wasn't given the deal early in the season because Tremaine Edmonds, they had to wait on him to see if this was officially, 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 you know, his time and his year. And and the answer is yes, because they've missed Poyer and Hyde together, the best safety duo in the NFL. Uh, haven't played together really all year. A hideout for the year. Maybe he's back in the AFC title game. We'll see what happens. But Edmonds being in there with Matt Milano has really, really, really been a major force of this Leslie Frazier defense. Thought Ed Oliver was outstanding. Dean Marlowe was outstanding. The Bills had a lot of Kyrie Elam was outstanding. Uh, they had a lot of really, really, really good uh, and clutch defensive performances when they needed it most. And, you know, look, Josh Allen, those interceptions that I alluded to earlier, they, they didn't bother me as much as the fumble. Uh, he was careless with a bunch of them, actually. He had three fumbles total and one was lost. Josh Allen has to clean up his game. I can tell you about the Bills' defense. I can talk about adjustments. I can talk about coaching. I can talk about the running game. I can talk about uh, adjustments from the Miami side and uh, Diggs getting taken out. And I can talk about all that stuff. But Josh Allen needs to be better. He does, right? I mean, if he's a little bit better in this game, the Bills win by double digits. They win close, and now we move on to Cincinnati. So this Dolphins-Bills game is going to either go one way or the other in terms of how they proceed. One, is it going to linger? They're exposed on video. All the different things that we have talked about that the Bills, you know, winning close this year. And let's face it, they've done it quite a bit, especially fighting through all this adversity this year, right? I mean, when you go back to it, they've won, um, where are we at here? Eight-game win streak, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight-game win streak, right? But they beat Cleveland by eight, Detroit by three, dominated the Patriots. It was a two-score two game, a 14-point win, but really it felt like 30. Beat the Jets by eight. Had to come back on the Dolphins before Christmas. Beat them by three, right? Blew out the Bears on the road. But but they've won a lot of close games, man. At KC, won by four. You know, beat Baltimore on the road. Had to come back, beat them by three, you know? So this team has won a lot of close games. I do like that part about them. You know, they're either going to, you know, get exposed. The secondary won't be able to handle Higgins, Boyd, and Chase. Uh, you know, Hayden Hurst. All, all these different weapons that Joe Burrow has. And, and the Bills will struggle. And, you know, lose a lot of the big playoff things that are out there, meaning turnovers, penalties, third down, game management, all the things that the Bills really let slide against Miami, or they're going to button everything up. They're going to toss this baby in the garbage can and go, look, we got away with one, but it's over. It was a home game, a playoff game, a divisional rival. It's over. We beat them onto the Bengals. And you know what? I think that the Bills are going to do that. And I think they win this football game. I'm going to go Bills 34 Bengals 31, Josh Allen delivers with a big, 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 big drive in the fourth quarter to take the lead. The defense holds, and I think the Bills move on to the AFC Championship game. But you know what? This game is a matchup that I think everybody's been dying for. You know, going back to January 2nd, Monday Night Football, kicking off the new year, uh, you had the DeMar Hamlin situation. And now here we are, right? Here we are finally seeing a matchup between these two teams because, look, Kansas City has been the trademark franchise, but and they're the one that everybody's chasing. But Buffalo's been right behind them, and Cincinnati's been creeping here, and they made the Super Bowl last year. So Cincinnati-Buffalo now 
can become a thing with Burrow and Allen as well. I mean, that's going to be another one, as is KC Buffalo, as is KC Cincinnati. These three teams right now, <clears throat> you know, they look locked and loaded to stay up, up top of the AFC for a few years here. So I'm going to pick the Bills 34-31 to 31 against Cincinnati. I think keys to the game are a lot of the things I just mentioned, right? Josh Allen being better, right? If you get a lead, don't blow it. Don't lose focus. Don't, you know, do stupid things. Penalties, special teams, right? Uh, third down uh, defense, third down offense, red zone efficiency on both sides, all those different things, you know, and uh, adjustments. And, you know, I think the home crowd will be big. I think this is, you know, a, a, another opportunity where the Bills, and we've seen this in the past, the beginning of the year before we knew that the Rams were bad and the Titans were bad and the Ravens were going to be just above average and, <clears throat> you know, Green Bay was going to be average. Before we knew all those things, right? The Bills raised up their competition against the better teams, right? Because let's face it, they lost to the Dolphins. Dolphins were 9-8 and eight this year, lost to the Jets. Jets didn't make the playoffs. They lost to the Vikings, a team that laid an egg in the postseason against the Giants, right? And they lost that game in OT. The Bills generally do raise up their 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 play against the better teams, right? Seemed like they fall, fell asleep a little bit against Miami. So let's see what happens. But I'm going to take the Bills 34-31 over Cincinnati. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.